The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect that of the staff and management of Good Karma Brands, but are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests of this particular show. America may have many, many days, but they will be full of trouble. There will be no rest. There will be no tranquility in this country. Until the nation comes to turn with our problem. Bringing you social and political commentary from his mouth to your ears. Breaking down the issues which matter to you. You are not put here to be a white man's footstool. You are put here to represent the very best in God's world. Legendary civil rights icon, the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the studio. Reverend Jackson, how are you? Mr. Reverend, good morning on this chilly Milwaukee morning. And I am pleased to have one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party, Chairman Bobby Seale. Mr. Chairman, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. From Mr. Eric Holder. Mr. Holder, so good to see you. How are you? Well, I'm fine, man. How you been? It's been a long time. Haven't seen you for a while. The Dr. Cornell West. Dr. West, how are you, sir? My dear brother, you're so kind. You're so generous. So, man, but I salute you and the work that you were doing there. I'm doing a magnificent job there, Wisconsin. Stream live on 1017thetruth.com. Call in with your questions or comments. 833-212-1017. Join us on social media at 1017thetruth. It may not be what you expect to hear, but I will definitely give you what you need to know. Are you ready for the truth? I want the truth you can't handle the truth now live from the american family insurance studio at the avenue in the heart of downtown milwaukee here is sherwin hughes good morning welcome to the program looks like we got us a friday march 3rd zach this begins our Our birthday birthday weekend. weekend what do you have planned sir absolutely nothing ain't nothing wrong with that I'm DJing tonight, though. Well, then there you go. Gonna have something social going on. I'm also DJing tomorrow at the Bucks game, now that I think about it. So you are working this birthday weekend. Yeah, and I was trying to get a gig on Monday at the Sophie. I like the Sophie. However, my friend that uh, is hosting that night already has an opener for his birthday, DJ Quaddy. Okay. For those that don't know, he's the DJ for the Marquette. Eagles. Oh, all right. Okay, you know him. Golden Eagles. Do you have uh, an actual plan for the birthday birthday? Are you still just kind of playing it by ear? Yeah, by ear for now. Because okay. it's, it's a Monday. Like, what what else is there to really do on a Monday, you know? Yeah, that's true. I think I'm in the same boat. I might do something a little low-key. I don't really celebrate my birthdays like that. I'm just Likewise. happy to be alive. I celebrate every day. Every day is my birthday because I'm reborn every morning. Right here on the radio, 101.7 The Truth. Y'all get to witness my rebirth every single day, and I got some stuff today. So remember yesterday I was telling y'all I had to go to the DMV to renew my driver's license because my driver's license expires on Monday. And one of the acceptable forms of identification for all the details you need for the real ID. I got a real ID coming, by the way. Is you need an unexpired Wisconsin driver's license. So had I gone on Monday to renew my license for the real ID, I would have been potentially SOL because I would have been down a piece of identifying information that's required. So I asked you guys yesterday and thank you so very much 
for chiming in with your thoughts on which DMV I should go to because I don't like going to the DMV. I don't like it. I remember the DMV back in the day where it was you just had to block off your whole day. And you were so exhausted when you came from the DMV. You had to take the next day off of work. It's almost like you get a DMV hangover. It used to be a mess. I don't even know what system that they used to have, but I know it's nothing like the one they have now. And the one they have now, they've had for probably better than 20 years, where you have the now serving D-171. You're like, oh, snap, I'm D-172. But then they'll trick you. Then they'll go, now serving A-2. You're like, damn. But they have a good system now. They keep it moving. And so when I walked into the DMV on Mill Road, per your suggestion, now a few of y'all suggested DMVs that I never would have gone to. I'm not going to West Bend. The amount of time it would take me to drive to West Bend and back is probably longer than I would have waited at even the most crowded an unorganized Department of Motor Vehicles. So I wasn't going to West Bend. Some of you suggested going to the Chase Avenue DMV. I considered it, but I also said, you know what? Let me stay local. Let me stay somewhere around the north-ish side of Milwaukee. So Titonia was a, was a runner-up, but I figured since I was going to be on 76 and Mill Road area, because, you know, my stomping grounds used to be the northwest side of the city of Milwaukee. And I figured since I was out that way, since I was out on that end of the city, you see, I was going to head up north to Menominee Falls, go to Woodman's and pick me up a couple of items, you see. So I decided to go to the Mill Road DMV. And it was very nostalgic for me. I do not remember the last time I was at the Mill Road DMV. The last several times I had to go to the DMV for any reason, I either went to the one on 6th and State. Is it on State Street? It is. That is State Street. Downtown, that's when I had to get a title for a vehicle. And then every other time, even when I've gone with other people to the DMV to be their emotional support, I've gone to Titonia. So I hadn't been to Mill Road in, good God, years, decades even. And that's where I took my driver's test. Did y'all know I failed my driver's test the first time? Did I ever tell y'all that? Nightmare for me. Because here's the thing. I had a car. Because my mother had just bought another car, so she gave me her old car. So I had a vehicle. All I needed was the license. I had a nice vehicle, too. I had a Camaro, a 1985 Camaro. Real nice car. My mother bought a Cadillac. At the time, my father drove a Monte Carlo. So I had the Camaro waiting on me, just had to get my license. I don't know if you guys remember this, but in the 80s and the early 90s, they used to put these. They're called louvers. They look like blinds. They are metal. They're basically metal blinds that you put on the back of hatchback cars. At the time, they were kind of in fashion and style for certain F-body GM cars, Pontiacs, Firebirds, Camaros, Trans Ams. You would put these black louvers. They literally look like blinds on the rear of the vehicle. A horrible thing to have on a vehicle for a 16-year-old driver because you can't really see. So I remember getting to the DMV with my pops. Pops drove me up. And in fact, we drove to the DMV, get my last bit of practice in before I took my road test. They do an inspection of the vehicle. I was very nervous. Turn signals, horn, all this other stuff. So I get in the vehicle, of course, seatbelts on. We pull out of the DMV and we end up going east on Mill Road. And they take me to some little side street. And, of course, you have to 
go in reverse in a straight line and you have to do all that stuff. And here's what I was worried about because I lived in Brown Deer. We don't parallel park. If you live in the suburbs, the likelihood that you have to parallel park because there's so little street parking in Brown Deer. You just There's no like crowded street parking in Brown Deer. So parallel parking was the thing that I practiced the least because it was extremely rare for either one of my parents to take me somewhere in the city where there were curbs and where there was actual a car right here and then a car right here and I got to park between them. I maybe parallel parked a couple of times in driver's ed, but that vehicle that I drove in driver's ed, nothing like the Camaro that I took my driver's test in with the louvers on the back where, of course, you cannot see. And I was encouraged because some of my friends had took the test at Mill Road because, you know, back then, kids that took their driver's test at different DMVs, we would rate them. They would just, no, no, you should go to Titania and take your test because I had an easy instructor. No, 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 you should go to Mill. No, no, you should go down to Grange because those instructors pass everybody. So I ended up deciding on Mill Road, whatever, getting into the vehicle, going east on Mill Road, and I was hopeful I wouldn't have to parallel park because I simply didn't know how to do it. Every time I parallel parked, I mean, up until I was probably 19 or 20 years old, I guessed. I just took a shot at it and guessed. Even though they gave you tips and tools and tricks to parallel park when you was in driver's ed, nah, I was still a guess. Maybe I'll turn the wheel now. Man, maybe I'll cut the wheel back a little bit this way. It was just a guess. And so I was asked to parallel park, and now I'm panicking even more, you see, because I didn't know how to do it. So I was going to employ my best strategy at the time as a 16-year-old who really was not a very good driver. I was like, well, I'm going to guess on how to parallel park this Camaro with the louvers on the back where I really cannot see. And pulled up in reverse, cut the wheel, accelerate, accelerate. Broom, broom. Not only did I hit the curb, I went up on the curb. And I just kind of pretended like it didn't happen. Put the vehicle back in drive. Ba-doop, ba-doop, back on the ground again. Finished my parallel parking, and I was crooked as all get out. So the driver's ed instructor said, okay, let's keep going. Go around the block a little bit. Then we get back on 76th Street. Then we go back to Mill Road, head east, and pull into the DMV, which is on the 7300 block of Mill Road. Okay, we get back. They got their clipboard. You see the driver's uh, the person who was uh, scoring my road test got the clipboard. So he's writing stuff. He ain't say nothing to me yet. So I figure I'm going to get my L's. Like, I'm cool. I'm good. Also, please keep in mind that I made plans the day before and that morning with all my friends because I knew I was getting my L's. So I told everybody, I'm coming to pick y'all up. I'm We're going to go to the mall. We're going to go to Mayfair. We're going to go to Bayshore. We're going to go to Northridge because I'm getting my license. I take my road test at 11 o'clock. Y'all better be re- ready by noon because I'm coming to get you because I'm going to have my driver's license. Well, so anyway, the person who was scoring my uh, driver's test, they're just checking stuff off and they're writing stuff down. Still no communication with me whatsoever. And now the anticipation is really getting to me. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm also excited. I couldn't wait to have that Camaro be mine and go pick up all my friends. And just like that, I don't know. Well, we had to fail you because you went up on the curb during your parallel park. When you go back into the DMV, that will set you up with a reschedule for the test. And then dude gets out the vehicle. I was distraught. And I felt so ashamed and I remember telling my dad, who had a smile on, all right, son, all right, you got your driver's license. I said, nah, pops, I failed. 
and he could have reacted a whole bunch of different ways. He could have expressed his disappointment. He could have blamed me. You know what he said? And I'll never forget. This. He's like, that's all right. We'll get him next time. Let's talk to J.D. You're on the new 101.7 The Truth. How are you? I'm well. Good morning, sir. When I, uh, I did what you said, man, you told me to write a piece. So I wrote a piece for Women's History Month. Well, we would love to hear it. It's called Do We Celebrate Women? Should we be glad it's the month of women's history and the pay parity has not been a victory? Almost a thousand die every day giving birth to children. Can modern medicine find a better way? In underdeveloped countries, women walk four miles just to get water, sometimes carrying a child. While sex work is a real career, they criminalize women while Johns have no fear. Almost 40% have completed college, yet only 41 CEOs in Fortune 500s, we must acknowledge. Should be about 260. Imagine that, women leading companies not being relegated to the back. God wasn't always a man. Study proto-history and you'd understand. The four blood mysteries made her God. To venerate and respect is and was our job. Let's celebrate women. They carry the world's kids. We are all indebted. We know what you did. About 30 heads of state, judges, ministers, and secretaries. But at this rate, no equity until around 2070. We can't wait that long. 30% have been raped. Human trafficking is rampant, and we still have an abortion debate. Celebrating women would be equal pay, and it would be women's history every day. That's that piece. Oh, wow. Oh. I'm, I'm snapping, J.D. That was wonderful. Thank okay. you so much. Our official poet laureate, J.D. Masters, thank you so much for that beautiful Women's History Month piece. All right. Y'all have a good weekend. Love. You too. Oh, that was great. I'm going to take my first pause for the cause today. And when I come back, I want to talk about the nearly $80 million development that is going to be constructed on the northwest side of the city, and I got a chance to ride through the northwest side of the city yesterday as I went to the DMV on Mill Road, and then I headed north on 145 to go out to Woodman since I was out in that area, so I was able to go west on Mill Road, where I have not been west of 76th Street on Mill Road in, good God, probably 10 or 15 years. And I'm going to tell you what I saw, and I'm also going to give you my thoughts and opinions and my editorial comments on this $80 million investment that is going into a northwest side neighborhood, which literally looks like the time or the land that time forgot. That is what the northwest side looks like. I'm going to talk about that on the other side. You were listening to The Truth for Sure when he was on the new 1017 FM. I'll be right back. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Because it is Milwaukee, and this is African American Talk Radio, I've got to despair over something. I got to lament about something, but I'm going to have a different set of solutions to the common things that we talk about that impacts African American Milwaukee. So we always talk about the disparities and how troublesome it is, and I don't know the crime and all this other stuff. We just kind of go around in circles, but I'm going to have a different approach today and hopefully. 
we can begin to move forward together. But before we do that, let's see what's rolling in at 833-212-1017-833-212-1017. That is our text line. You also can call that number if you want to use your real voice. Mr. Lee says, oh, that was for Serena. Serena on the morning show. She's moving to Chicago. I just found that out this morning. She's leaving us. Mr. Mahdi says, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. Grant says, Professor Hughes, you're only turning 48. That's middle age. When you reference your age, you make it sound like you're 15 years older. Next year, you will reach the age of Dr. Ken show listeners. Enjoy your birthday. Hell no. Dr. Ken show listeners. I think they're even older than him. You know, the imitation that I do of Dr. Ken's listeners. Those are old black people that talk to themselves all the time that they have to convince themselves of the next thing they're going to do. And they're always just this kind of melancholy. Like, all right, I guess I'll get on out this bed now. Whew. And they're always, they're always sighing. Like, Ooh, I guess I've gone on to put these grits on the stove. Oh Lord, my back hurting. Oh, I wonder what Dr. Ken talking about today. Ooh, oh, we've gone on to put on this radio. Oh, here we go now. Dr. Ken's listeners. 414426 says. What is this? That's not for me. What the hell do they talk about on the morning show? 414426 says. Uh, nope, not reading that. Mike from Mill Road says. Yeah, they not failing kids like they used to. Oh, the driver's ed. What do you call those people? Carrie, what is the person called that a driver's ed test instructor? No. The person that you take your road test with that judges your road test. They're not an instructor because they're not instructing you. They're a teacher, tester, driver's ed, judger. Okay. Well, I didn't know that, Mike. I know that during the pandemic, they were just giving kids licenses. There was no road test whatsoever. That's so stupid. I'll be honest with you. What what do you say, Carrie? I passed the very next time. But here's the thing. The next time I got whatever that person is called, an instructor, I got the instructor I should have had the first time because he was in a hurry because I took it on a Saturday. And I think it was the day that they had scheduled for a lot of kids who had previously failed. So I remember a line of young people being there when I got to the DMV. And so, okay, Hughes, all right, here we go. Did a real quick inspection of the vehicle. All right, let's go. Make a right turn. Go up here. I promise to God. All I did was drive like four blocks. Okay, let's go back to the DMV. Now I got some more appointment. You passed. It maybe took five minutes. Problem was when I took my, because they make you wait, at least back then you had to wait like six weeks, six weeks or two months. So when I took my original test, it was in the beginning of the summer. And I thought I was going to have a whole summer, my whole junior year going into senior year summer driving. I didn't take my retest till like the first week of August, like August 11. So I didn't really have much summer because, I mean, football started like that next week. Now, it was cool because I rolled up the football practice in my Camaro. But I missed an entire summer of having my driver's license. And when I think about hindsight being 2020. That probably was a good thing because I would have acted a whole fool if I would have had my driver's license that whole summer. I was still dependent on my friends, still dependent on my parents. Had I had that driver's license for the entire summer, that was the summer. What year that was? 
Ooh, that was a summer of 92. Oh, Lord have mercy. Carrie, don't get me started. You weren't even born yet, was you? Nope. Woo! Man, listen, don't get me started. <sighs> Mike from Mill Road says, please put it on us. You know that's my area. Somebody got to hear this. So I saw him in the DMV yesterday. So I got to tell you about the experience real quick. I just hope the lady who was at the DMV service counter is not listening. So one lady was very nice. Okay, so you walk in, you got to check in at the service counter. Because remember, I went yesterday to get my driver's license renewed and upgraded to a real ID because I got some traveling coming up. I just got to get the whole real ID taken care of because I don't want to renew my license and then have to go back to the DMV before May of 2025 to get the real ID. So actually, you know what? I thought that I somebody told me that you actually leave. Oh, damn. With your um, new license. You don't. I, so I. Y'all hear this? It's my damn driver's license. I told you you get the paper one. Yeah, my signature looks terrible. All right, anyway. Did you really? That lady, she, I was so mad. She was so rude to me. Oh, oh, I'm glad you said that, Carrie. So there was a, she looked kind of, I got to be politically correct. This girl, she looked a little slow. I felt so bad for this gal. She, looked, she was wearing a real sparkly sequins jacket with a hood on and a slave cap underneath. And she looked like she was a little slow. And I think she was getting a state ID or something. And so I'm, I'm waiting in the waiting to go up to the counter to take my eye test and all the stuff from my renewal. And so I'm sitting right behind the photo area. And I hear this lady now, the one that took my picture. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. Say, you, you got, what is this? What is this? That's exactly how she said it. Ah, you can't do that. You, you what you got a star in your name? You can't put you can't sign your name with a star. Write your name the way it's on your birth certificate. You cannot put a star in your name. I feel so bad for that little girl, little girl, like she wants to start crying. So anyway, I get to the service counter and one lady's like, "Hi, can I help you?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm here to renew my driver's." Okay, let me see your ID. Okay, baby, there right now. Here you go. Here's to fill out that paperwork. She gonna call your name to take your photo. Okay, baby. Very nice lady. And then they called my name. Hughes! I was like, okay. Stand on the X. So I looked down. Take your glasses off. Take your hat off. Stand on the X. So I stand on the damn X. And here's the part that was crazy. And this is what took so long. So this was the most difficult part of my experience at the DMV. Sign your name. Sign your name on the line. And so the screen, there's this little, you know, little screen, little tablet. I said, ma'am, there's no line. Sign your name on the line. I said, no, ma'am, there's really, there's no line. There should be a line sign, you know. And so I had to pick the damn tablet up and show her that there was no line. So she unplugged it, plugged it back in. Okay. She's like, now sign your name. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but there's still no line. What you mean there's no line? So I had to pick the damn tablet up again and show her. I'll be right back. She goes and just walks away. And I'm just standing there. Now, there's people looking at me because they're waiting to get their pictures taken too. The other lady who was very nice, she's just standing there shrugging her shoulders. So then the lady comes back unplugs the uh, the machine again, plugs it back in, still nothing. Has to reboot the whole damn computer. I said, I said you know what? While you're rebooting the whole damn computer, I'm going to go and I'm going to fill out the form because you got to fill out a form for your driver's license renewal. So I fill out the whole form. I come back. I, Stand on the X. Takes my picture again because every single time she had to retake my picture because you can't 
sign your name until the picture gets taken. So finally, it works. I go and I sit down, maybe 15 minutes, but it was fine. I occupied myself by going through my phone and looking at all the social medias and whatnots, okay? And then I get, so my number came up. Now serving D281. So I go up to the counter. Well, the first thing you have to do is take an eye test, okay? So as I'm, because you got to put your head in that contraption, you see. And of course, I need glasses to see. I need my glasses to drive because they sometimes say, well, you should probably try and take the test without your glasses on because if you pass the eye test with your glasses on, then we're going to have to make a notation on your license that you need corrective lenses, meaning if you get pulled over and you don't have your glasses or your contacts and you're going to get a ticket. I said, no, nah, I ain't even going to try. I ain't going to waste your time nor mine trying to take this eye test without my glasses. I got my glasses on. And she was like, read what you see from left to right. And so I start, it's like one, two, three, four rows. Each of the four rows had three boxes. And each of those three boxes is five or six characters. So I just start reading. She's like, read left to right. Read left. And I just, I started reading A, C, six, X, two, X, X, three, six, X, 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 three, nine, six. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. Start over. And I started reading again. So when I started over, I went to the next line because at first it's line one, two, three, four, five. And each of those numbered vertical one through five, there's three boxes. So I just kept reading and kept reading. She said, what are you looking at? I said, I'm reading what's in the viewfinder here. I'm just reading what she's like, baby, you're getting too many of these wrong. Start over. What I come to find out is I was only supposed to read one box in the number one. I'm going through the whole list and I'm reading everything. So finally, we got that all squared away. She took my passport. She made a copy of it. I paid my $34 and I was on my way. It was a very trying experience and also solidifies the fact that I just don't like going to the DMV. So I finally got out of there. I folded up my paper driver's license and tucked it in my wallet, and I decided to proceed west on Mill Road. I was going to take Mill Road west to get on 145, and I was going to run out to Woodman's because I'm not really out on that part of the city very often. And when I am, I like to go to Woodman's because they have some items there that I can only get at Woodman's, you see. And I was just noticing how sad and how full of despair that neighborhood looks like y'all got to remember what the Northwest side of the city used to be. It was its own neighborhood, its own community. It had everything. Now it still has some of those things, but they don't exist like they used to like the car dealerships on 76th street, North of good road, like the movie theater, like Johnson's park, all that stuff is gone. Like the Kmart that used to be in that plaza on 76 and good hope. And then before that it was Showbiz pizza. And then after that it was Chuck E. Cheese. All that stuff was gone. Just doesn't exist anymore. And then I read this story about an $80 million investment in the north side, northwest side, rather, city of Milwaukee that is so desperately needed. But you know what that investment is, ladies and gentlemen? Because $80 million over there could inject new life. You could build things. You could construct things. You could give homeowners grants to fix up their properties. You could plant more trees and make it more beautiful. Because the thing about the northwest side of the city, it was very suburban. It looks suburban. Even the architecture of the homes, because they were built later. Like Milwaukee started from essentially the central city 
uh, near north side, near south side, and then it kind of built its way out. And so as the city built its way north, further south and further west and further southwest, the architecture changed because it reflected the years and the decades in which those houses were built. And so the architecture of the houses on the northwest side are very, very different, very unique to the houses that you may see, the old Victorian houses you may see on the near north side and the near south side. And it used to be just like this crown jewel of 1950s and 60s and early 70s architecture. So the houses are still there, but they just look forgotten. And the amenities that used to exist for residents of the northwest side They just don't exist anymore, and it's just terribly sad. But then I read this article of this $78.4 million investment on the northwest side of the city. I'm like, this is perfect. This is exactly what we need because I know how much money this city will invest into areas, into neighborhoods, and into districts to make them thriving. All it takes is time and investment. Brady Street used to be a dump. It was full of junkies. It was disgusting. Nobody wanted anything to do with Brady Street. Now it's the destination. It's such an incredible example of what happens when you get some developers and you get some business improvement districts and you get city leaders that are dedicated and committed to turning a neighborhood around to create commercial corridors and shops and retail and eateries and all of the things that make neighborhoods nice, livable, walkable, in demand and desirable. I'm like, wow, $80 million going into the northwest side. This is exactly what this neighborhood needs because so much money has just been focused on downtown. And I get it because that's where we get the most return on our tax dollar by increasing the amenities downtown. Okay, But you can't forget about the neighborhoods because people live in the neighborhoods. They travel downtown. They venture downtown. But the $80 million they're spending on the northwest side is in one facility, one building. A 32-bed youth prison. Going to talk about that on the other side. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on the new 1017 FM. I'll be right back. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. An $80 million investment in a neighborhood that looks like the land the time forgot. That's what I'm talking about, right? That's what we need. Inject some capital, some investment. You know what really should have happened? But we don't really think like this in Milwaukee. And I'm going to tell you why we don't think like this. Then I'm going to tell you the problem with our collective thinking in this city. So even if you have innovators and creative folk and business leaders and stakeholders, we still have a, an antiquated collective thinking here. And it's reflected in our politics based upon not who we vote for, who we vote for, but why we vote for who we vote for. The collectivism in our political thinking. Now, remember, collectivism amongst the people is one thing. Collectivism in our political thinking amongst the voters is another. Because the people have a whole nother set of experiences. They got a whole nother set of ideas. The voters, different experiences, different ideas as well. And they don't always seem to work together. But this is what we need. We need this $80 million investment on the northwest side. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. 
80 million bucks in an area where I don't know how many decades you'd have to go back before you, other than like fixing water mains and paving streets. I don't know what other large multi-million dollar investments have gone to the, the overwhelming geography of the city of Milwaukee is the Northwest side. Like geographically, it's huge. I mean, where would I say it starts? I don't know. 43rd and Silver Spring all the way out to 124th Street to the west and north to damn near Brown Deer Road. Bradley Road. I think north of Bradley Road, that's Brown Deer. It's a large piece of geography. It's the, my opinion, the overwhelming amount of geography of this city is northwest. The yards are bigger. There's more space. There's all those industrial buildings and those industrial roads and all the things. A lot of land, a lot of space. Been a long time since $80 million has been invested over there. Now, what you're supposed to do in a neighborhood that gets neglected, in a neighborhood, and all cities have them, where they may have been thriving in one decade, but then things happen where what makes a neighborhood thrive fades away, goes away, or the businesses close, or the factories close, or they move, or they do something else, or there's a lot of focus downtown. So neighborhoods that were once thriving just become dilapidated and sad. What we really should have done is could you imagine if we put the Fiserv Forum where Northridge was? Think about that. The only problem I guess we would have is traffic flow. Because there's no there's no ease of egress to the area. Like there's no highways. But you take a, a that was a hat. Well, how much did Fiserv cost? Four hundred million? Five hundred million? Boom, you just put it in a neglected neighborhood and instantaneously, almost overnight, you have an explosion of economic activity. Now, because of, you know, the street design and we probably couldn't accommodate, I don't know, 20 or 30,000 people two or three nights a week. But that's where you're supposed to do those kind of large scale developments, because if there's no real and other incentive to invest in a neighborhood, you put a large scale sports complex in your most dilapidated neighborhood and it turns it around. The property values explode. Now, some people are going to get displaced, but that's what happens with development. But overall, it could really boost an area. So the surviving property owners would see their values go up. Generational wealth would be created. You'd have businesses and shops and stores and travel and tourism, all of the things. But we clearly didn't do that. But it's good to know that we do have an $80 million investment going to the northwest side. The land, the time, forgot. Here's the problem. After the $80 million investment is done, you won't notice any difference. You won't see anything different. It's not going to bring more people, more travel, more tourism. It's not going to bring more excitement. There's not going to be a brand new, big, tall, shiny building that people can point to. It's not going to make people rethink where they're moving. They're not going to sell their condos downtown and move to the northwest side because this $80 million investment. And I say $80 million investment because that usually begets more investment. So if something or someone puts almost a $100 million investment somewhere, then somebody else will bring their $10 million. Somebody else will bring their $5 million. Somebody else will bring their $1.3 million. And that is how neighborhoods grow and explode economically. Investment attracts other investment. But the $80 million getting spent on the northwest side, the land that time forgot is the damn youth prison. A proposed Milwaukee replacement for the troubled Lincoln Hills youth prison in central Wisconsin is substantially more expensive than planned. The 32-bed prison's price tag is now $78.4 million, up 71% 
from the previously approved $45.6 million. <laughs> that is an astronomical increase in price. That's a lot of money. And so I was just thinking, what if we were invest? Because clearly we have the $80 million, right? If you got $80 million to build a 32-bed prison, and here's the crazy part. I bet you the prison is never full. I bet you it's never a capacity. So, yes, it's 32 beds, but I bet it will not be. This is just my estimate. It will not ever be operating at capacity for $80 million, and it won't even be a capacity. What if we took that $80 million and we invested it somewhere else in increasing home ownership? Maybe you give little grants to homeowners so they can fix up their properties. Maybe you beautify the neighborhoods. Maybe you... You, you match that investment with other businesses that want to come and take over some of that old dilapidated old corporate office space or some of those old warehouses. Could you imagine what $80 million could do to revitalize and provide a boost, not to mention a morale boost to the people that have been in that neighborhood for 40 and 50 years? But no, the 80, first of all, I don't know how the hell they thought that the youth prison was going to cost $45.6 million, and now it has gone up by 71%. And here's the thing. Let's be clear. The price is going to go up even further. I'm sure whoever the contractors are, because they know that this is a state government construction job. The state does not necessarily, even though they should, the state does not operate with like profit and loss margins. So whatever it costs, that's what the state is going to pay the contractors. The alder person of the 9th District has yet to get elected. The two finalists are Larissa Taylor and Odell Ball. I think I'm saying his name right. Danita Ball's husband. How interesting is that, that the sheriff's husband made it to the runoff in the ninth aldermanic district election? And I don't recall because I moderated the forum of the ninth district candidates and I cannot recall. Well, Larissa Taylor didn't go to the she didn't go to the forum. But Mr. Ball was there, but I cannot remember his stance on building a youth prison. So whenever the older or whoever the older person is that gets elected in the night, they're going to have some say so. So remember a lot of the youth prison on 79th and Clinton has proceeded without a person who is a representative of the ninth aldermanic district where 79th and Clinton is. And so, and all this pent up demand, because I know the residents have something to say about it, especially folks that have business interests and have homes in the vicinity, in the neighborhood where the prison is going to get built. And they're going to have some objections. And now those objections, that pent up demand for people's voices to be heard is going to then flow through whoever the older person is, because they will be the voice of the residents who have largely been ignored while the plans to build this now almost $80 million prison have proceeded. See, I don't like when they do stuff like that. You got to put these things on hold because there is no representation, no taxation without representation. Meaning if you don't have an older person, Y'all can't spend and allocate tax money and make decisions on behalf of the people that live in that neighborhood if they do not have an older person. Now, I know the extenuating circumstances, but you have to pause moving forward until the people of that district have a member on the council in which their wishes can turn into policy. It's just the latest twist in a nearly decade-long effort to build a decentralized replacement after the 400-bed Wausau area Lincoln Hills facility gained national notoriety in 2015 for allegations of abuse of youth by staff, staff shortages, and other problems. 
the state has paid out more than $25 million in settlements related to the facility. So this whole thing is going to be even more expensive than a $78.4 million price tag. I know they paid out $25 million in settlements related to Lincoln Hills. So y'all help me understand this. Hopefully you can help me understand. Text in something that can help me understand at 833-212-1017, They're replacing a 400-bed facility, which was Lincoln Hills. With a 32-bed facility that costs $80 million? Make that make sense. Lincoln Hills was 400 beds. I mean, that's a moderately sized correctional facility. And the one they're building is only 32 beds. Hell, I can I can fit 32 people in my house. And my house didn't cost $80 million. Something is going on. Like, that makes no sense to me. Like, as just a layperson... That doesn't make any sense to me. How you're replacing a 400-bed facility with a 32-bed facility, and it's an $80 million expenditure. Well, it's $80 million right now. It's probably going to go up even more than that as time goes on. And it's going to have, in my opinion, no visual, measurable impact on the 9th District, on the neighborhood, on the community. In fact, after the $80 million is spent to build the prison, when you ride up and down 76th Street, you won't even know it's there. The last time $80 million was spent in that neighborhood, you probably would have to go back decades and add up all of the incremental expenditures. And that's why it's just such a confusing situation for me, because if you're going to spend that kind of money and people, that's the whole thing, because when they talked about it and promoted it, people like, some of the people that were involved were like, oh, you're not even going to know it's there. It's going to be hidden away. If you spend $80 million of our tax money, we should get at least a skyscraper. You know what I'm saying? Like something that's shiny, like build it like a World Trade Center tower or something. $80 million and you all won't even know it's there. But how do you replace a 400-bed facility with 32 beds and the cost is almost $80 bucks? We'll figure that out, hopefully. On the other side, you're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on the new 101.7 FM. I'll be right back. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 101.7 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. What's up, Sherwin? I think it's a prerequisite that you have to be rude to work in the DMV because the same thing happened to me. I was as nice as I could be. Nope. The service counter attendant was rude as all get out. You know what it is? I think that they just deal with so many people. They deal with people like Bob. That one lady, she was just yelling at everybody. 
I don't know if y'all remember this, but I gave a preview of what I thought my visit to the DMV was going to be like. And I happened to mention that there would be an angry black woman working there somewhere. I got two angry black women at the DMV. And I really don't like the stereotype that black women are angry. But y'all are angry. I mean, I get angry, too. now, But at least I get to vent every day. And God bless y'all for letting me vent. Because if I didn't have this outlet right here, I'd probably go crazier than I already am. But they were so mad. Why y'all mad? Y'all got state jobs. Y'all got pensions and benefits and retirements. They just mad. I think that's the whole process. If you want to get hired at the DMV, they go through all the resumes and they find the blackest names they can find. And that makes it into the the, the pile that advances. Jack LaConte Tisha. Oh, yes. We're going to keep her. LaCrosha Shonda. Yeah, we're going to keep her. Jamika Tuka, oh, yeah, we're going to keep her. And then when they interview these women for different DMV positions, they just they see who's the most angry in the interview. They see who comes late. They see who has an attitude. They see who cares the least about the job they're actually interviewing for. And that's who gets hired. And they end up staying at the DMV for 25 years and they retire with a nice pension. Bob, you're on the new one on one seven. The truth. Hello, Sherwin. Uh, I didn't have I have too much to say, so I just want to say this right quick, you know, uh, and then ease on off the air. You know, I Ellen, Wisconsin is actually a beautiful state. It is really beautiful. If you go north to Green Bay or west to towards Minnesota or east towards the lake or south towards Chicago, you see, uh, you know, you see those bushes and and I can see why when I came to Wisconsin, they always used to call me, you flatlander. And I used to call them cheeseheads and whatever, but you know, cause you go into Illinois, you know, you don't see number flatland when you go out, but you know, when you Wisconsin is just such a beautiful state. But I love Chicago more because of downtown and Navy Pier. Michael Jordan's wife used to come down there because we had a little spot on Navy Pier. And that's a tough, honorary woman. Well, I can see why they got a divorce. <laughs> but I just wanted to let you know, you got a beautiful state. It's, the, you know, it's like when the sun goes down and, you know, uh, it's just about be- becoming dark. You want to get in them forest preserves and lay down and just go to sleep, but I don't do that. But you know, because the forest, so many forest preserves and, and and picnic tables, it's 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 a beautiful state. I just want to tell you that. Now, just don't get big headed. Now, just watch yourself. Watch uh, your head. All right. Now, other than that, other than that, I'll talk to you later. Okay, Bob. All right then. Bob said, "Oh, they got bushes." You hear him mention bushes? Oh, you got a beautiful state. It's bushes. I have been fortunate enough to travel to many different parts of Wisconsin. And, Bob, we finally agree on something. This is a beautiful state. I have been to Woodruff and Minocqua and Violets County. I've been to Marathon County and Wausau. I've been to Door County on a vacation. I've been through all points south between here and Madison and 
Waukesha, Jefferson County, and Racine, and Kenosha, and St. Croix County, and Eau Claire. I've been all the places. I've been to La Crosse. La Crosse is beautiful, too. It really is geographically a very, very pretty state. Problem is, some of the people act so damn ugly. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be back for our two.